we have been doing this now for, I don't know, four or five months now. Uh, we've been reading the Word. So why don't you stand? We're going to read two passages, again, related to the text. Uh, it's old school, little, little deep south churches read the Word together. Uh, but there was a power in that. Even uh, Ezra and the people, they stood and read the Word together. And so I always want to do what God's called me to do, to stand and read the Word but I think it's healthy for all of us to read it together. And these aren't the two passages we'll necessarily be in, but they speak to uh, the text of what we'll be discussing this morning, looking at uh, in our time of the Word. So the first verse, let's read it together. It's in Psalm, let me get my glasses here. Not yet. There we go. Uh, 1989, let's read it together. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. That Bible you're holding is going to be in heaven. Nothing else. That cell phone you're holding is not going to be in heaven. Praise God for that. Yeah. I was just thinking this morning, I'm like, how much I long for the days when I didn't get text, when I didn't have email, when there was no smartphone. I'm like, Lord, I'm going to use that stuff for your glory, but I do, if I could go back in time and stop the people who invented this stuff. <laughs> I would. And I work for a technology. You guys know I was in a technology company for a year. And I love technology. And I, and I still kind of like technology. And, and I'm like, wow. But his word is settled forever. Next verse. Matthew 21, 13. It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Has to be. Because Jesus said it. We can't say, well, we, we got another option here. We don't have a better one, do we? Let's pray. Lord, we just uh, bow before you now, and we're going to pray for revival even at this moment. Lord, we, we need personal revival, individual revival. Lord, I need revival in areas that I can't even see. Lord, this church is what it is because of you and you alone, in spite of me, in spite of us. Lord, we fail you far more than we actually represent you, rightly represent you. So, Lord, we ask that you would cleanse and forgive us in this room of our many iniquities, attitudes, complaining, grumbling, covetousness, biases, Lord, bitterness, lust, anything, Lord, fear, worry, doubt, unbelief, Lord, all of these things, we, we lay them at the foot of the cross, and we ask that you would forgive us. And, Lord, you said, pray our transgressions. So, Lord, our nation has a lot of transgressions, too. We're just a representative. Of, we pray for our country, Lord, that our country would turn to you. Not just our country. Iran would turn to you. The nations of Asia, the nations of Africa, the nations in the Middle East, Australia, Lord, would turn to you. Lord, South America, Central America, the Pacific Islands, Lord, around the world, there would be an awakening. But, Lord, in this room, may our ears be open. May we heed the voice of the Spirit. May we become the disciples you've called us to be. Lord, pour out a revival here that it would start elsewhere. We ask this in your holy and precious name. And thank you that your word is settled forever, for which we'll open that even this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turn with me to two places. John 8. 31 and Luke 18.1. John 8.31, two short verses. 
Luke 18.1. So we'll actually read the latter first. John is further back. We'll read John 8.31 8, first, and then Luke 18.1. John 8.31. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We can put one in your hand, and you can even keep it. We love giving away Bibles. Now, I think the first part of this verse, 831, would be true of almost all of you. You already believe in Jesus. So let's take a look at what it says. John 831. Then Jesus said to those Jews, although only a few of you are Jewish, we do have some Jewish people here. We love you. We love you Gentiles too, by the way. Uh, but anyway, uh, Jesus said to those Jews, obviously he was speaking to uh, the people there in Israel who believed in him. Not everybody did, but those who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Over to Luke chapter 18. Again, we'll be covering two things each week for the next six weeks. So the other piece of this this morning, Luke 18, 1. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. You ever lost heart? Oh, sometimes twice in a week, sometimes twice in an hour. Always ought to pray. Let's pray. Lord, we ask for your anointing. Lord, I pray for your strength, your peace, your wisdom upon me as I share. I have nothing to offer, but your word does. I pray that you'd remove the enemy. We would hear from Jesus. Lord, use this time to draw us near to you that we would each be your disciple. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. In Philippians 1.6, it says this, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, if you're truly born again, you're genuinely saved, God will take that phase one work of salvation and move us into that phase two work of what? Discipleship. Discipleship. That's what Jesus is. When, they say, when he saved them, he brought them to 12 in. If we're saved and we're still alive by God's grace, we're called to be and to grow as disciples. And not only does Jesus promise uh, to begin that work in us, but to faithfully complete it. If that's not happening, it can only be that, one, we're somehow unaware that we've even been called to this. And that's possible. If you're newly saved, you haven't heard the word, you might say, I don't even know I'm supposed to be a disciple. I just knew I believed in Jesus. <clears throat> Two, you do know it, and you're resisting it, you're ignoring it, or you're refusing it. You actually know it. It's like a parent says, I want you to clean your room. I know this, but I'm going to ignore this. <laughs> right? Or number three, you're not saved yet, and it's all new, and now you need to come to Jesus first. So those are really the only three options. There's no other scenarios. Those are the three scenarios of 
if you're not a disciple. But if we belong to Jesus, he will always leave the 99 to go and find the what? The one. Because someone here is not a disciple. Now, he does that with salvation too, but he also does it with discipleship. Bring them back into the fold, into surrender, into discipleship. Sadly, so often in today's American church, Jesus is having to leave the 50 and go find 50. Sometimes he's leaving the 10 to go find 90. In our church, and I'm talking about the American church at large. Sheep, in the biblical context, were led by what? A shepherd. Totally different than a mountain goat. In Israel, they have ibexes, which have no shepherd. Guess what? They lead themselves. They don't have a shepherd. We're called to have a shepherd. If we're a sheep, we're called to be disciples. We're led to be instructed. We're not self-led, and we're not to be self-willed. And as disciples, as sheep of his fold, all of our instructions, all of our protections, all of our being led is found right here in the Word of God. But in parallel, he communicates with us, which, by the way, I have that Ephesian, uh, the Philippians verse up there if you want to see it. Uh, in parallel, he communicates with us and communes within us via prayer. And this is our emphasis this morning, our discipleship emphasis, the word and prayer. Both are important. Two foundational elements of discipleship and growth. Not just being a disciple, but growing as one. Personally and collectively, all of us, your families, but us as a larger church family, are found right here in the Word of God. Think of, the, think of any fruit-bearing tree anywhere in the world. Any kind of tree you can think of. Papaya, guava, apple trees, any kind of tree you can think of. Every single one of them need soil and water. There's not a single one. You can take the seed and put it on your counter and say, grow. <laughs> not going to work. Sheep need water and they need grass. Sheep, they need water and grass. Now, sheep can actually get the water if there's a lot of dew on the grass, if there's snow on the grass, if it rained the night before on the grass, then they don't need. But if that's not the case, the shepherd has to lead them beside still waters. They actually don't like fast-moving water. Shepherd has to lead them to soft or just a, a smooth water. Babies grow and develop via two never-changing components, water and nutrients. Water and nutrients, because we're made mostly of water, aren't we? Early on, the milk contains both, doesn't it? Water and nutrients. Later on, it's food and water. But it's still water and nutrients. Both the water and the nutrients are essential to the cardiovascular system and the conversion of energy and our immune system. All that comes into play. We need the food and we need the water. And spiritually speaking, Jesus himself and the scriptures that God gave to the prophets and the apostles make it abundantly clear that our spiritual health and growth is directly connected to the word 
and prayer. Did you hear that? Our spiritual growth is directly connected to the word and prayer. By the way, God hasn't changed this, and he never will. There's not a new, better plan. That's kind of good to know, isn't it? We, like I said, we thought cell phones would make our life better. God's like, watch. <laughs> Let me give you about 10 years on this. Maybe 12 if you're really, really impatient. You know, you're going to think. Everything we think is going to make us better. God says, I've got two things that will never change, my word and prayer, and I'm not giving you something new, but I'm giving you the best already. Isn't that great to know? We've received the best from God. No word, no prayer, no walk with Christ, no power. It would be like a self-induced hunger strike. Worse, from a standpoint of neglect, uh, would be like saying, we love our kids, but we see no compelling reason to give them food and water. No compelling reason. Kids are like, uh, is he preaching this? Uh, is, he, is he advising this in 2020? Or, you know... Uh, no, very, very few people would ever think that way. A few would, but that's, that's the sin nature in this world. But very few would think that's illogical and wrong, of course. Yet many name the name of Christ and have to admit, they have to admit, and some of you here, and I'm not saying this to beat you up, but I'm just saying this because God wants to wake you up. Many would have to admit they cannot find time for the Word of God. Just can't find time for it. And have very little in the way of a prayer life, sometimes over dinner if no one's watching. God says, that has to change. I've called you. You believe in me? It's time for you to abide in me. That may reflect um, some loose definition of many in the church, but it does not reflect discipleship. For most of you here this morning, you don't need to, you don't need to really be convinced that the word and prayer is essential. And you might say, I already know this. Why do we have to start here? Because Jesus started here. And he's never going to stop starting here. The, the basics, the fundamentals, are always where you start. And perhaps a few of you, uh, you know, you need to re-understand the importance. But all of us need to be reminded how truly, get this word, dependent. Dependent. What do you depend on in your life? It has to be the word and prayer. I mean, ultimately, it's Jesus, and we'll see that in the Word and Prayer is Christ. That's, that's why it always comes back to these two fundamental elements. But what are you dependent on? We have to come to the place where we're truly dependent on the Word and prayer and be what we, I said earlier, designed to be. We're designed to be disciples. We're designed to be disciples. We're saved to be disciples. We're called to be disciples. And we're sent to be disciples. And with that, the work of peace. Anyone want, anyone want peace here? Joy. Strength that will only come through the word and prayer will come. Sometimes we have to wait longer than we have, want to. I know this personally. Um, now, a legitimate question you might have is, um, which is more important, the word or prayer? That's a legitimate question. Here's how Charles Spurgeon answered in the 1800s. His response uh, what is more important, breathing in or breathing out? <laughs> By the way, you don't get wisdom like that unless you spend time with Jesus. Uh, you, when you read some of the saints of old, they did not have time for long pontificating answers. 
God would give them. You know, how many times Jesus was given uh, a question that seemed like a Rubik's Cube, and he'd come back with a three-word uh, response, and they were like, wow. <laughs> and that Spurgeon would do that, and Tozer would do that, and, you know, because they spent time with God, they got the wisdom of God. So, yes, breathing in, breathing out, equally important, so is the word in prayer. But we'll start first by inhaling the word. We'll start with the word because this is what we take in. Prayer is usually what we exhale back to God. It's our talking to the Lord. The word is God talking to us. We need to hear from him first before he hears from us. Amen? I came and sought you first. The word is a gift to the whole world. Would you agree with that? It's essential to being saved. It's essential to living as saved. Known as, you, you are familiar with these other terms, the Word of God, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, the Testament. All these are different names for the Scriptures of the Word of God. Now, you could use these three words, just these three words we read earlier, it is written. Look at those three words. We could use these three words to describe other writings, like a dictionary, like a book, a novel. But when Jesus, anytime Jesus said, it is written, he was always speaking of one book, wasn't he? Did you ever wonder what Jesus, when Jesus said, it is written, I wonder what he's talking about, Socrates? Plato? Whenever he said it is written, everyone knew exactly what he was talking about, didn't they? One book, the inspired book the given word of God. The Tanakh was Genesis to Malachi, which was the only canon of Scripture when Jesus was on the earth. But then, of course, uh, it is written now includes the Gospels, the book of Acts, the epistles, and the revelation of Jesus Christ. These three simple but very powerful words, they bring us into faith, don't they? But as a disciple, they now permanently guide us through our faith. They brought us to faith, but now they guide us in our faith. Whatever we encounter in life can be addressed by these three words. Do you believe that? Can't be addressed by your employer. Can't be addressed by your doctor. Your doctor only has so much he can do. But it is written. Now we're talking something powerful, much bigger. Going back to what Jesus said in John 8.31. Disciples love the word of God because they love the Christ of the word. Disciples love the Word of God because they love the Christ who gave the Word. I love Jesus, and I want to love him a thousand times more than I currently do. How about you? I, I, I got a lot of headroom. How about y'all? But the only way that headroom is going to grow is in his Word. There's no other way. There's not a substitute. I can't say, well, I'm just going to listen to sermons instead. I listen to sermons, but it's not a substitute for the Word of God. That say, uh, instead of water, uh, from now on, I am going to drink, I don't know, uh, something that's not a liquid. Well, you can't drink something that's not a liquid. You know what I mean. It's not going to work. There's not an equal substitute. There's one option and no other option. You have, you can, oh, I'm going to invent a liquid that's not a liquid. No, it's either the Word or the Word. There's not another option. So he's saying, this is what you must do. This is what I've called you to. The disciples, they need the Word. And if you're a disciple, 
And if you're not yet a disciple, you, you need to become one. But it, we need the word because we need Christ. He said, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. We depend on the word because Jesus has made it very clear. It's vitally evident that we need eating to stay alive, and we need the Word of God to stay spiritually alive. The rest of Luke, chapter 4, that verse, it is written. This is what it goes on to say. We read it earlier. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Ultimately, because salvation is a supernatural work, and everything else post-salvation is actually a supernatural work of the Spirit, we actually need God's Word more than anything else. Though He gives us the wisdom to actually still eat, eat, eat and drink and all that stuff, but we need spiritually the Word. And by the way, Jesus was quoting from what? The Old Testament here. Moses had said this. God had given it to Moses, and Jesus is re-quoting it. You and I need to hear from Jesus. He's our Savior but he's our Lord and our shepherd, case closed. Case closed. He's our Lord and our Savior, but he's also our shepherd. There's no debate. So if we are sheep, we go where the shepherd says, and the shepherd says, go feed in that book. Say, so, well, I think I, I will get more out of watching YouTube. Jesus said, no, you won't. Well, it's sermons, good stuff, but you need to be in the Word. Well, the sheep would rather eat corn. That's great. They need grass. <laughs> By the way, those of you that have animals, and I know some of you, when the animals have gotten into things they should not eat, yes. it's a bad situation, isn't it? <laughs> some of you have told me these stories. Some of you that have land and your animals have strayed away from grass and found something that tastes good. It didn't go well for them nor the people in animal, animal husbandry. Uh, you know, so uh, Jesus, no, no, this is, these other things could potentially go in your mouth but won't feed your soul. The Word. The Word is essential to every person on earth. It alone holds the truth pertaining to life and to death. It's the only book, think about this, the Bible, the book you're holding in your hand, this is the only book that accurately addresses eternity. Accurately. Everyone else has all these hypotheses. And God says, this is the truth. Jesus said he was the truth. It prepares us for eternity and will help us presently to prepare for eternity. It's the only book that can build up and edify every believer, no matter where you're from, what language you speak, how long you've been saved. It's the only book that can prepare every believer. And it's amazing that anywhere in the world, the Bible, when people get saved, they connect with it, and none of them are from Israel, right? Because God transcends all that. Jesus came to one place, but he spoke to all places from that one place. Now, when we think about the Word of God, I have a couple of questions, or one, a couple of questions related to the Word, and then one related to prayer, but what is the Word of God? Now, I know you know it's the Bible, but what does the Bible say about the Bible? And this list that I'm going to show you here is not exhaustive. Uh, if I asked you to describe your house, you could describe your house with three things, five things, ten things, a thousand things. 
We don't want to hear that kind of minutia, by the way. <laughs> but about the Bible, the longer you study it, you'll understand it says a lot about itself. But this morning, because of the sake of time, and I'm limited by the time, and you say you would like me to limit the time as well, so I will do so. But the Word of God is many things. It says many things of itself, but I want to just put up 12 and... That's the number we're going to look at. Not even all these 12. I don't have time to go through all of them. But what does the Bible say about itself? Well, look at the list. It's literally, literally the words of God from the triune God. Literally. Literally. When you read the Bible, you're literally hearing what God actually said. You're going back in time. You're going before time. God spoke. It's literally Jesus in written form. When this morning, as, uh, you know, I was reading the red letter words of Jesus. I felt like he was speaking. Before I went on my prayer walk, I had no thought of birds. And what did I read? Jesus said, look at the birds there. I walk out, still wasn't thinking about them. I get about a quarter mile out, and all of a sudden I'm surrounded by birds. And Jesus said, I was speaking to you this morning. I remember when we were in Israel, I thought the same thing. When I would hear them, I would say, he would actually point people. He said, look at the birds there. Look at the flowers. Look at all. He was like, this is my sanctuary. This is this. I, you talk about a snow globe. He, this is his temple. <laughs> we're kind of walking in, and he said, I, I, but I want you to know these things because I want you to, to hear from me personally. But I have to start in the Word of God. It would be one thing to say, well, I'm going to skip reading and just go walk and look at birds. It's not the same, is it? I heard from God first, then everything else makes sense. You need to hear from God, then go to work. You need to hear from God, then uh, address that problem. You need to hear from God, and then tackle the big things in life. But you first need to hear from Jesus. And so you need to walk with him and say, Lord, I don't even know what to do with this. But I'm going to walk with you. And the way you walk with him is not a physical walk, although that can be, literally, you can do that too, but it starts with the written word. This is Jesus, literally in written form. And uh, I know some of you are taking pictures of it. We'll put it on our church Facebook um, as well, and you can grab them there. And the, the images, they'll all be there. And this isn't every verse. I could have put dozens of verses for all of these. The slide won't contain dozens of verses unless we get to tiny font, and then it would be an eye exam for you. So I got what you got. So... It's God-breathed. It's inspired. I mean, it's good to... We hear so much nonsense. Isn't it great to hear something God literally breathed into our life? It's supernatural. You know, we watch all these goofy movies, and I like some of them too. I love when Yoda takes on the emperor, and they, you know, they're, they're, they're battling each other, and who really has more power, and I'll just wing a seat at you and, you know, all that stuff. But, but we know it's not real. We're fascinated by the supernatural. And God says, I am the supernatural. Amen. And the only thing you're, the closest thing you're going to, the only thing you're going to come to it is that book that's sitting on your table. It's supernatural. Nothing else is. And it's powerful. Uh, it has power to change our attitudes, our feelings, our I can't do this to, I will do this. I can do all things through Christ who strength. It has that kind of power. It's final. It's pretty. You hear the word sola scriptura. 
It's, it's supreme. It's, it's a single authority. God doesn't need, he doesn't ask anybody else, can anyone else vouch for me? The scripture doesn't need you to vouch for it. Spurgeon also said, it's like a lion. It'll let it out of its cage. It'll take care of itself. It will. It does. It's true. It's unchanging without flaw. Uh, you hear the word infallible. The scriptures are infallible. Today, we have a lot of people, including pastors, sadly, that are actually saying the scriptures are fallible. Well, it wasn't interpreted right, this, that, and the other. Like God doesn't know how to handle interpretations over the years. I thought he was overtime in space. Of course he does. We're, in, we're the ones that are fallible, not the word. And God says that's when you get in the word, you find out how fallible you are. And that's a really good place because it humbles us. You say, wow, this is perfect. I'm far from it. It's the law of God. It's referred to as the law. Not just the Ten Commandments, but all of it. It's the gospel. This is the only place you'll find the gospel. There's no other book. Uh, Confucius, Muhammad, none of that. They don't don't have the gospel. They have a theory. They have a false pretense. They have something, but they don't have the gospel. This is the gospel. It's the portrait of God in written form. You want to know who God is? The scriptures say he is gracious and full of compassion. That's That's who our God is. Not willing that any should perish. It's a portrait of God. It's it's been called the love letter of God to humanity. It's the warning of God of judgment. The Bible's been called basic instructions before leaving earth, B-I-B-L-E. Kids used to sing those songs, right? They didn't know that acronym, but they sang the song. It's warning. You know, it's it's really good when someone warns you. I'm glad if someone says, look, there's a car coming 90 and I'm not paying attention, I would be glad if someone warned me to jump quickly. You jerk, I was having fun standing there. (laughs) Right? No, the Bible says, I'm warning you because I love you. God says, I warn humanity. I warn the church to be zealous and repent. I warn the Bible. It's his warning of judgment to come. It's the love of God and the mercy of God. And then lastly, it's the answer to all the questions in life that are actually important. There's a lot of questions that aren't that important. I wonder who's... I like football. You guys know that. I'm trying, I'm reco- I'm trying to recover past it someday. But anyway, uh, it's, not, it's really not important who won yesterday or who's going to win tonight. It's not. When you win, you lose. A couple days later, you're over it, one way or another. But the important things, where are my kids going to spend eternity? How can this marriage be saved? How can this person be rescued from this addiction? How can this person be delivered from depression or anxiety? All these kind of things. These are the things that matter. Amen? These things matter. This is the only book that has the answer. Everybody else is like, well, try this. God says, do this. What it does in our life. That's what it is. What it says of itself. And again, there's a lot longer list than 12, but that just gives you a flavor of what God testifies of his own work. What does it do in our life? Again, this is not an exhaustive list either, but it is an important list. Uh, it reveals Jesus to us day by day. You don't need more money. You don't need more stuff. You don't need more anything. You need more Jesus. 
And actually, it's not even you need more Jesus. You don't really get more. You get closer to Jesus. Jesus is all he is, which is infinite anyway. So in a sense, yes, he'll always be revealing. Even in heaven, I believe he'll continue to reveal himself in ways that we've never seen. But it's actually us perpetually getting closer to Jesus. I need a closer walk with Jesus than I currently have. He's gracious enough to bless the current walk I have, but also calling me to a deeper walk than that. That's why Peter went from not being able to walk on water to be able to walk on water. Because Jesus said, you come a little closer to me, you'll see you can do things through me, not on yourself, through me that you weren't able to do. But the scriptures reveal Jesus more and more to us. And the more we see him, the less we see everything else, which is a really good thing. Convicts us of sin. A lot of people aren't convicted of sin because, this, you know, uh, you've heard it said. I think D.L. Moody said it. This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. Right? This book will keep you from sin because it will convict you of sin. You'll be like, wow, I hadn't even thought about complaining. I just read this. I have been doing a lot of complaining lately. I haven't been thankful. I haven't been grateful. I haven't been praising. I've been whining. I'm really good at whining. We're all good at whining, aren't we? We just don't do it out loud, so no one else seems to know this. God's like, I know. I heard you. <laughs> you were whining on the way home. You were whining in the shower. You were whining over here. <laughs> no one else heard it. And God's like, I heard it. And then you open up your Bible and you say, Lord, I'm sorry. This isn't right. Convicts us of sin. It reveals our actual self, not our Facebook self. That self is awesome. That self is flawless. I saw someone pin said, behind every gorgeous home picture is a mom just pushing the stuff out of the way. You know, it's like everything looks perfect. But the actual self, the Bible says, no, no, I see your actual self, not your presented self, not your all-dressed-up self. But even through all that, look at number four, uh, transforms or renews our mind. God doesn't leave us in that state if we'll get in his word. He doesn't leave us in that state. He transforms our bombarded minds. Do you feel like our minds are bombarded? Your mind's bombarded, my mind's bombarded, even if there wasn't all this, the media and stuff, just because our minds can't stop thinking. Our minds just never stop. Try and tell myself, I will not think of this at all for at least a half a second. You know, so it just comes right back. But the Bible's amazing. It actually does clear it out. It really does. And say, well, I've not experienced that. Well, you need to start getting in the Word of God. It clears those things out. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth saw a great work of revival in England uh, many years ago. He said, there are four principles we need to maintain. First, read the Word of God. Second, consume the Word of God until it consumes you. Third, believe the Word of God. Fourth, act on the Word of God. All these other things, I, I don't have time to go through. You know it's a lamp to our soul. It's the only thing that can minister to your soul. It's the only thing that can get to the soul level. I can... I can try my best to encourage other believers, and we can encourage each other temporarily, but we can't get to each other's soul level. Only the Word of God can do that. Only the Spirit of God can do that. Um, the Word and the Spirit work in com uh, concert, of course. It, and we'll see that next week when we look at the ministry of the Spirit. It comforts like nothing else on this earth can. I've seen people go through devastation, and the only thing that ministers to them is the Word. Just the Word. Increases our faith. Many times 
I've struggled. Lord, I'm afraid to do that. I'm a, uh, I, I don't have the strength for that. And God, I'll read his word, and he gives me confidence that comes straight down out of heaven like a bolt of lightning, only by the word of God. It gives us a love and a real desire for unity and fellowship. Before I was saved, I was very... Now, post-salvation, I'm still more selfish than I want to be. How about you? If you're being honest, say, I'm still a selfish person because the sin nature is still there. But I'm not near as selfish as I once was. Before I say, I couldn't care less about ministering to people. <laughs> what? I'm going to the beach to play volleyball. I don't care what you do with your day. <laughs> I don't care what you do with your time. I don't care about, I didn't even like my own family that much. I was like, oh, I don't know when I come home for Christmas. You know, they're, they're, I, I'm not kidding about this. I, I just was very like, I like my life. You do what you want with your life. Leave me alone. And you get saved, and all of a sudden God says, but I love all these people. And I want you to gather with these people and connect with these people. But the Word of God will light that fire in you to do it. It inspires us to surrender in discipleship service. It gives us a love for the lost. It reminds us to worship and pray. We don't a lot of times feel like worshiping. And the Bible says, oh, wow. It just says here, praise the Lord. Worship the Lord. Uh, give praise to God. All these different things. You're like, I think it's meaning me, not just somebody. I think it's speaking to me to do this. And then all of a sudden, you'll turn everything else off. And, and this is where I am glad that today's technology, I can put a worship song in my ear and just start praising God. Now, after I've spent time in the Word and in prayer, oftentimes I will, thirdly, I'll say, I want to worship God. But I worship in prayer, too. We'll look at that in just a second. But... Um, in, in, in a few minutes, we're going to close with a song. I'm going to have the AV team play it at the end. Uh, I was actually, this happened to me a few days ago. I have my, I have my YouTube playlist and Amazon playlist, and, and I'll, put in my, uh, I'll put in my phone. And I, I actually, when I go running or walking, I never take my, I shouldn't say never. I 90% of the time don't take the phone with me because the one, one thing I like to do when I get out to run or walk and pray and talk to God is get far away as I can from technology. But every now and then, I'll take it to a, for a closing worship song or something like that. And so uh, the other day, I was um, in the Word, and uh, I was reading the passage uh, in the Psalms, and God says, it spoke clearly to me right from the Word. He goes, I'm going to put a new song in your mouth. And I was like, is it one I'm going to write? Is it one I'm going to hear? I don't know. I, mean, I don't know what that meant, but I really felt like they were, they were speaking personally to me. I'm going to put a new song in your mouth. So I, was, I, was, I prayed, spent time in the Word, went for a run. I came back, and it was still morning, and I went out in the, uh, the garage and just do a couple of minutes of um, free weights with, uh, with my earbuds in. I said, I'm going to listen to And I hit my playlist, and YouTube got used by the Holy Spirit for the first time in humanity history. But uh, uh, it actually, what came up was a song I had never heard, but it was, you know, uh, you know Tuan, we were up there, we got uh, told by Joe Foch's worship leader about City of Light, and, and, uh, and then another pastor of mine, friend, friend of mine in Northern Virginia said, hey, you should check these guys out. They're writing doctrinally deep sound stuff, uh, collection of worship leaders and stuff in Australia, and it's really doctrinally sound compared to some of the stuff that's out there. And, and uh, so this song got served up to me, and it was like I'd never heard it before, and, and immediately I, I, the verse came back to me, a new song in your mouth. Wow. 
And you're going to hear it in a few minutes, and we're going to sing it together. But, but, but God speaks to us through his word, but then we'll confirm it with other things, people, circumstances. But it starts in his word. But what about prayer? We've got to wrap up with uh, prayer. Prayer I put into one list, uh, partly, say, partly to do the sake of time, but partly because prayer, what it is and what it does, are very kind of deeply connected. And as far as a definition, exactly what you're praying is exactly what God is wanting to do. And so let's take a look at prayer, and it'll just be one list of 12 uh, for this, and we'll bring this to a close with this section prayer, what it is, and how we apply it. Um, right off the bat, it's talking to God. That's why when you go to a prayer meeting and somebody gives a, a sermon with their prayer, mm-mm, that's not talking to God. That's talking to man. If you hear someone pray and you're like, they just preached an eight-minute sermon, you don't preach to God. I preach to you guys whatever God says, but when I talk to God, I don't preach to God. I talk with God. It's a relationship with God. We're walking in communion with Jesus, not just in his word, but prayer in the word. Remember, inhaling, exhaling. They are synonymous in the sense that you can't have one without the other. If you're going to read the word, you talk to Jesus too. He talks to you, and you talk back and say, Lord, I hear that. I just read this verse. That's totally for me. I needed to hear that. Thank you. You can talk to Jesus this way. You can literally talk to Jesus the way you talk to someone that you're being caring, compassionate towards. Say, Lord, I really needed to hear that. Thank you for correcting me. Thank you for guiding me. Lord, thank you for making me get up and go to church Sunday morning. I didn't want to go. I was tired. My neighbors were having fun. And I went anyway. By the way, church is now fun to me because the joy of the Lord is here. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. But spending time with Jesus and talking to him, you actually develop his character. His, you get a taste for his things. Um, it's an act of worship and surrender to God, both personally and collectively. You have, prayer does take work a lot of times, doesn't it? That's why prayer meetings are generally the least attended thing other than maybe going out to share the gospel. Strange. He's just like, oh, oh, let me get this straight. I said it's going to be a house of prayer, but you guys can't come to prayer meetings. I said to go into all the world and make disciples, and no one wants to do it. What am I missing here, Jesus, is what I'd be saying to the church, right? I thought this was two fundamental things. And, of course, it is. But personally, we have to surrender to a prayer life. We have to surrender. Say, God, I'm going to invest in prayer. Worship is what we bow down to. We say, Lord, I'm going to make the time. Spurgeon said, I stand here and confess. You know, God blessed uh, the church. The, um, uh, what a blank on the, the tabernacle there in, in London. But uh, God blessed the ministry of Charles Spurgeon in a powerful way. He said, I stand here and confess, frankly, that from my inmost heart, I attribute the large prosperity which God has given to this church vastly more to the prayers of the people than anything God has given me. And that's true. Your prayers are the only reason I'm probably still standing for the Lord. My wife's prayers. You can thank Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, I thank her a lot. 
but other people's prayers, but other people are praying for you. And the way you're going to stand is to pray and for others to pray for you, and it's a collective thing. It's a powerful thing. Confession and you can't get You can't get rid of guilt without prayer life. Isn't that great to know? If you feel, oh, I blew it for the 10,000th time in this area, and Jesus said, come back, and I'll forgive you again. But it's a prayer life. It's talking to God to say, Lord, please forgive me. Do you know how many times I've done this, Lord? How many times I've come with this? Saying, forgiveness at the throne of what? Grace. We have access. We saw this in Hebrews. We have access to the throne of grace. It's an act of faith and trust in God. Now, we also know it comes from the Word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by what? The Word of God. But then the Word of God leads to prayer to God. Lord, I read this in your Word, and I'm claiming it. God says, good. I wanted you to read it, and I wanted you to claim it. I was wondering when you would. Not even wondering. He already knows. It's an act of faith. It's waiting on God. Oh, we don't really like to wait on God, do we? But we have to. It is always going to be there. We're always going to have to wait on God's timing. And we wait in prayer. We say, Lord, I'm just here. I don't know what you're going to do. I need your help. Show me, but I'll wait on your timing. I love Dr. Adrian Rogers said this. Uh, it's been ministering me from the time I read it uh, several weeks ago. He said, we can save a lot of time waiting on God. Isn't that profound? We can save a lot of time waiting on God. Oh, the time we waste getting ahead of God. God says, all right, you want to do that? That's 12 more laps. You could have waited three and we'd be done, but you didn't want to wait. And he loves us enough to correct us, waiting on God. Martin Luther said, I have so much to do that I shall never get through it with less than three hours prayer. That's counterintuitive to us. We think, I do not have time to pray. God says, you don't have time not to pray. The prayer will save us time, save us steps, save us needless frustration. We say, God, if, you, if I would have only invested that time in prayer and waiting on you, intercession. Once your prayer life grows, you actually stop praying for yourself as much and you start really praying for other people. You spend a lot of time praying for other people. You become others. This was the heart of Jesus. Disciples, they gather together. We're two or three together. Come this Wednesday. We have another prayer this Wednesday. Fast some this Wednesday. Say, well, I can't fast food all day. Fast something. Fast from sugar. Fast from fast during. Some of you can fast the whole day. Go for it. Some of you have never fasted more than Two meals, now go for two. Some of you fasted one, now go, or go for, you've done two, fast three. But take these steps, and we'll be fasting and praying this coming Wednesday. And by the way, did some of you enjoy fasting from technology on Tuesday? Other than what you had to do, I still have to use my laptop. I still had to type, but I didn't get on some other thing. And I had people text me and say, this was awesome. <laughs> yeah, you could actually do other days, too, on your own. <laughs> doesn't even have to be just a, a, a time off Tuesday that we had. Do it again this Tuesday. Do it again this Wednesday. But, uh, but then come and gather Wednesday night and pray. If you say, well, we can't. Well, I'll be in Northern Virginia on my job. Well, in your hotel, be with us in spirit. Stop and pray. Say, all right, I can't be there physically, but I can be there in spirit. It's crying out for God's help. You know all these things. Seeking wisdom and direction. 
dependence on the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad there's times when you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for you? By the way, that's constantly. Because we are so imperfect, we get a lot of it right where God has directed us by his word, but we still are missing huge perspective zones that God sees. And he's like, but I have the Spirit. Because you are walking in obedience, not perfection, well done, good and faithful servant, not well done, good and perfect servant. But because you're walking faithfully, the Holy Spirit says, I'm covering these other areas you don't even see. It's kind of like um, we have, you know, there's people right now that are listening to terrorist chatter, covering things that you and I aren't even thinking about. The Holy Spirit's doing all of that times a billion, a trillion, right, on our behalf. But God says, I still command you to invest in a prayer life, to talk to me, to get in the Word, talk to me. And then it starts to develop that you start, uh, this last one, praising. You're just riding down the road Thinking about absolutely nothing. Oh, there's Publix. Oh, there's this. There, you know, they're just kind of thinking about nothing. And God says, why don't, you, why don't you praise me? And you start praising him. And you start talking to him. Um, and you start thinking about other people, and you start praying for them. And you'll see a car, and that reminds you, oh, so-and-so has that car. Lord, I, and they've got this going on in their life. I need to pray for them. And God says, now you're walking in footsteps with Jesus. Jesus was always like, well... Disciples say, why don't we do this, why don't we do this? No, we're going through Samaria. Why would we do that? Because there's someone there I want to minister. Your prayer life will lead to that discipleship walk that God wants to do through us. John MacArthur said about prayer, he said this. He said, prayer is not asking God to do my will. It is bringing myself into conformity of his will. It is asking him to do his will to give me the grace to enjoy it. And here's the cool thing. You know, when I grew up as a kid, there were certain vegetables I did not like. But then you ate them long enough, today you like them. And God says, there's certain things you don't under... You may not, it's not made, a lot of these things, it's not that you don't like them, you just don't understand them or don't fully trust them. And God says, you've got to stop even overthinking this. If I said word and prayer, you do it, and those Brussels sprouts will end up tasting like ice cream, right? In a sense. And God said, these things, you will learn that my grace is sufficient, and the word and prayer will change your taste buds, spiritually speaking. Amen? Amen. Our taste buds become God's taste buds. And then we stop praying for, make me a millionaire and stuff like that. And we start praying, Lord, make me a vessel to be used by you. The word and prayer, it's our daily, but also our lifetime. It's our lifetime source of God's help. Is there anything on this list you don't need? Help, strength, wisdom, peace, power. But all that God's like, I'm not just doing it for you. It's for my glory and that my light would come in you, that you would be a light to people who don't yet know me. I want to just have us close in prayer. And I, again, this is mostly to the believer, and we'll, we'll, we'll play this worship song, and you're going to uh, worship with me together as we come to a close. But with your heads bowed, I, I don't want to take for granted. I, I said that there's a phase one, there's a phase two. God's going to call you to a place of decision. I don't know if you know it. He's already calling you to a place of decision. Will you be a disciple or not? But first and foremost, 
Jesus, if there's anyone here that doesn't yet believe in him, hasn't yet believed on him, hasn't yet received salvation, with your heads bowed and you say, I, I, I'm not yet redeemed. My sins have you not yet, I've not put my faith and trust. I've never believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've not yet been born again by the Spirit of God. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. If there's anyone here that says, I want to give my life to Christ today, just hearing about the word and prayer, I want a relationship with God. I want to be cleansed and forgiven. Anyone at all? If we're all saved here, that's a wonderful thing. But we have an opportunity. God says, I've got 160 of you or so that I can send out as disciples rightly representing me. Not perfectly, but faithfully representing me. And at this song I'm going to play, and, I, and I'll, in just a second I'll ask you to stand and we'll, we'll close and worship together. This song, I'm play, I, I, when I heard it, the Lord said, I want to put this new song in your mouth. Uh, I heard it, I texted it to, to Tawan, and he said, oh, I already love that song. But the worship team didn't have time to learn it because I sent it on Thursday. So, uh, so I'm going to play it from the original artist that, 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 uh, that did it. But um, it conveys everything Jesus has done for us to believe what we're reading in the Word, to believe and rely on Him in prayer, and for God to empower us. It's not Christ. It's not us. There's nothing in you that has the strength to, in 2020, glorify God. There's nothing in you good enough to glorify God, but Christ in you can do it. Amen? And the only way you'll find that source of strength and power is through his word and prayer. And so I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask you to stand, and the worship team or the uh, sound booth will hit play, and let's worship together to come to a close. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for prayer. Lord, we may not even understand the depth of either, we know more than enough to have faith in both. We know more than enough to stop making excuses and to open your word. It's your love letter to us. It's you speaking directly to us. It's you strengthening, fortifying us. It's you delivering us from chains. Lord, I pray in this room, there's some people that need to be delivered from chains today and tomorrow and need your strength and need your peace. And Lord, I just pray that uh, as we... Invest in prayer and meditating on your word and talking to you, Lord, and believing that it's not us but Christ in us that we can do things we never thought possible in the power and strength of Jesus Christ. And it's in your name we pray. After this song is open, why don't you stand, uh, over, stand up and we'll, we'll close in worship. Um, if you want to pray, if you, if you say, hey, I, I want someone to pray with me that I would just grow in the word and prayer, uh, our leaders will be up here by the prayer corner, over in the corner. I'm going to ask them to be there. They say, I just want someone to pray with me that God would help me to be faithful and to read his word and to grow in my prayer life. Go ahead and hit play. and We'll close with this worship song. You'll love the words and just sing it to Jesus. gift of grace is Jesus my redeemer there is no
Christ in me.
So I said, Lord, yeah, I, I needed that new song, uh, just listening to it and worshiping. But the Lord had already been speaking to me through his word and in prayer. And, and then when I heard it, I was reminded because Pastor Jeff up in Northern Virginia said, man, you got to listen to these guys, City of Light. They are diving into the word of God and trying, striving, praying on their knees to write words that magnify the scriptures, that magnify the Lord and then Tawan and the, the you know, those of you that went to the worship conference in Philly, you know, uh, Rob, the worship leader there, was saying the same thing. And, and I was thinking, here, Australia is literally, like, on fire, but then there's this little remnant on fire that's not, you know, they know they're not near as well-known as some of the other big things that are out there. And, 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 like, in the Bible, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were on fire, just strolling around in it. The burning bush was on fire. You know, the Caesar threw John... The, uh, the apostle into a boiling pot of oil, and John's like, it's great in here. He, he didn't burn at all. He was lounging in there like it was a hot tub. So God wants to, in, in the book of Acts, little, little things of fire fell on the church. And so even though Australia's on fire, God's like, ah, but the real fire is what, and we need to pray for the things like that, of course, but I'm saying ultimately what you need is the fire of the Holy Spirit to ignite through his word and prayer. Amen? Amen. And Jesus really is all we need. And our lips shall repeat, yet not I, but Christ through us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time in your word, and even just this moment in prayer right now. And Lord, we ask for your help and your strength and your forgiveness. And Lord, your, your word would live and breathe in us and through us and give us the strength and confidence to obey, to trust, and to see what you will do when we just simply say, yes, Lord. And we trust in you. And all the glory and honor of our lives should go to you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of the day.